You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast. All right, everybody! For Happy Monday! Hopefully, and everybody had stories a great from across the nation. And, hopefully and now, had an here's your nine-fingered host, at least talk Dan Johnson. Mother, and wish them a happy Mother's Day, or the mother of your children, or whatever. Uh, my Mother's Day was kind of wet and rainy. We did get out uh, and go on a, a very short but uh, much needed hike got some fresh air the kids got to throw some rocks in the water I don't know what it is about throwing rocks in the water but I love doing it my kids love doing it and uh, so we got to do that Uh, then we kind of headed home after we got some groceries and because of the rain uh, that prevented us from going mushroom hunting and so we stayed in watched a movie and just chilled Went on a walk after that, and uh, next thing you knew, the day was over. So hopefully, everybody got hey, you know everybody had a great Mother's Day and a good weekend. Big week here at the uh, Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Man, we got a bunch of good content coming not only on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, but on the Sportsman's Nation as well. So uh, keep an eye out or ear out. I don't. I always say eye. Keep an eye out for that. But you should keep an ear out because you're listening and you're not looking. Anyway, I'm tired and I've been yelling at my kids all day long. I don't know. I've, For the parents out there, I've had one of those days where I felt like my kids were straight up testing me. They didn't care what I said. If I said, okay, you can't do that, they would say no and try to, you know, defy me. Or, you know, if I said, okay, here's your milk, I want juice. If I said, here's your juice, I want milk. If I said, you want some ice cream? No, I want candy. It was 
it was a very hard day uh, on Saturday. And <laughs> I'm telling you what, man, parenting is frustrating. And that's why I love the outdoors because I can take a walk outside and get some much needed silence or, I don't know, therapy. I'll call it therapy. But it's much needed that I can, I can reset and then I can go back to being a dad and a husband and uh, man, I tell you what, that's just one straight up reason why I love, I love hunting. And um, it allows me the, the opportunity to reset. And uh, I don't know about you, but that's something that I need all the time, especially in a high stress work environment, a high stress family. I mean, life in general is kind of stressful, even though we try to make it not stressful. But Enough of that. Today's podcast, man, we're going to be talking to Dan Bourne. Now, I introduced Dan Bourne on this podcast. He is going to be a contributor to the blog, the Sportsman's Nation blog. He's going to be doing some writing about um, Hunt the Nation profiles, and we're going to explain that in this podcast, what they are and why you should be interested in it. He's going to do some other writing for us, and then he's going to talk to us about his involvement in the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Association or that organization and uh, he's going to recap the rendezvous that went down in uh, Bo- yeah it was Boise Idaho yeah uh, so he's going to recap the uh, the rendezvous that went down He's a contributor to the website. He's going to talk about it. And to be honest with you, it's one of those organizations that I have really thought about joining. I haven't done anything yet, but um, I don't know why I haven't. It's affordable. It's like only 25 bucks to join. Um, so I think that's something that uh, I want to become associated with. And uh, so Dan talks about what backcountry's backcountry hunters and anglers is first and foremost and uh, if you find that interesting you should go check it out also qdma man um the qdma is giving a ten dollar discount to all of the listeners of the nine finger chronicles podcast so it's it's going from thirty five dollars to twenty five dollars and you need to enter the discount code nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers. No finger. It's the number nine followed by the word finger F I N G E R nine finger. And, uh, that's going to allow you a $10 discount, dropping it down to $25 to join the QDMA. And just remember Ladies and gentlemen, the QDMA is not just for landowners and people who have the ability to lease ground or own ground. It's for all deer hunters, public ground hunters, permission hunters, run and gun. You know, it's for everybody. And the the association uh, itself is focused on white-tailed deer, keeping our traditions and all that stuff. So... Please, 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 please take advantage of that discount. Go sign up to become a member of the QDMA today. And what else? Commercial time. And today's commercial is wasp archery. Now, you guys have heard me talk about wasp archery and my love for the Boss 4-Blade. That's what I've shot the past two years. One hell of a, a broadhead, man. I'm telling you what. 
knock it just kicks the shit out of whatever it hits okay and that's a big deal they're sharp now here's the kicker that a lot of other companies don't do these broadheads are made in America with literally the highest quality material that money can buy and that's straight out of the mouth of the people that work for wasp high quality products um, made by high quality people in the United States that's a win-win situation and uh, they have mechanicals and fixed blades so head over to wasparchery.com and check out their lineup of mechanicals and fixed blades that uh, might be you know you might have interest in go buy some and uh, when you find out what you want to buy or do your research find out what you want to buy then enter the discount code nine fingers that's the number nine followed by the word fingers and you're going to receive 20 percent off of your purchase that's a big deal take advantage of that wasparchery.com now enough of the chit chat let's get into today's i don't even know what we're going to call this uh dan Bourne talks bha slash introduction to the blog slash i don't know two dudes talking about hunting and whatever anyway here is the podcast starting now all right on the phone with me today mr dan Bourne. how you doing today dan good dan how's it going with you going pretty good man now i have to i have to do a proper introduction because you're although you've been on the podcast before you are now an official member uh family member so to speak of the sportsman's nation so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing for the sportsman's nation uh website and blog yeah it's uh it's it's, i'm really excited you know after we spoke last i think uh last august uh you brought the idea of having a providing some written content on as as like a blog on sportsman's nation and um i'd you know would love to help so this kind of came together really well for both of us i hope but uh so you know in terms of written content we're gonna be doing some pretty cool stuff i think uh not only writing about topics and uh things that are important to hunters uh, hopefully making other hunters more successful in the field but also uh, what something i'm really excited about is profiling hunters as part of uh I think we're calling it, what are we calling it? Hunt the nation. Yeah. Hashtag hunt the nation. Yeah. So hashtag hunt the nation based off of people I find on Instagram who have, you know, really cool hunting stories that they're sharing on Instagram. So, uh, we've got a couple profiles up of some folks already. Um, we got this uh, guy named Bob Smith on the website already who builds, uh, I think he has his business as big stick archery. He builds some really nice, custom uh stick bows and we've got hunters from minnesota and some up-and-comers from other states that share their hunters hunting stories through their photographs on instagram so it's uh i'm really excited for it so with that said if you a listener would like to be featured in one of these writings or hopefully be featured because not everybody who uses the hashtag is going to get it but um if you feel you have an intriguing story something interesting um in some of your instagram posts go ahead and use the hashtag hashtag hunt the nation and uh dan here is gonna he'll he'll search every once in a while through that hashtag on instagram 
and he'll look at your profiles. And if he feels that you have a, a cool story or something to share, he's going to contact you and write an article about you. So, um, as of right now, go and check out the blog on sportsmansnation.com and uh, check out some of the articles that he's already written, some of the those uh, Hunt the Nation articles as well as what was the, the most recent one that you have wrote for us? Uh, I did a little piece on um, private land types that are open to public hunting in Wyoming. So um, Wyoming has this cool program. It's called the Access Yes. And it's a program that uh, landowners uh, can become part of that opens up private land to public hunters. It's a, it's a really cool resource if you're planning a hunting trip in Wyoming, and or especially if you're doing a do-it-yourself uh, public land hunt. These uh, publicly accessible private lands are a great way to get on some really good hunting properties. And uh, the land itself isn't calculated in the state's, uh, I guess, total acreage of public land. So not everyone takes these, these little pieces of private into consideration when they're looking at units to apply. So while it's not exactly a big secret, uh, I think they do go underutilized, especially by out-of-state hunters. Nice. So... For you, you went on a antelope hunt. What was it? This last fall or the fall before? Uh, three years running now. My dad and I go to Wyoming. Okay. Now, did you take advantage of this Access Yes uh, program uh, when you were out hunting? Yeah, uh, the first year, actually, uh, in fifteen, uh, we were in a unit. Uh, we bought leftover tags, uh, a unit of very low public land uh, opportunity, and it was essentially a, a one mile by seven mile area that was a mix of public land, state land, and these private landowners coming together and opening it to hunters. And uh, it was really the majority of our hunt was, was in that area. Uh, in the last couple of years, um, same thing, different units, but we utilized a lot. The unit we hunted last year has, I think, 25 to 30,000 acres of this private land open to public hunters. So, uh, we used a lot. I shot my antelope uh, off of uh, one of those sections last year. Oh, man, that's pretty cool. I mean, you would never find a program like that. Uh, I don't think a program like that would necessarily work in to the scale that it's ha- it's happening in Wyoming. But I don't think like an eastern that that would ever take hold on an eastern level, just because there's the the everything else is so condensed on the east in the midwest you know there's smaller parcels and you know everybody has a a little section to hunt even in iowa right they're uh bigger bigger ground but at the same time uh i feel like every piece has a hunter on it already uh for sure yeah the scope is really big out there too and and quite honestly we've hunted you know typically we hunt second week of the season and it's not like it's overrun with hunters either. You see, you run into guys once in a while, but um, there's plenty of room out there and uh, relatively easy to draw tags in this unit I'm in. So you could foreseeably go on a hunt almost every year, if not every other year for, for antelope, draw a tag and get on these, these private uh, areas. Um, how it works essentially is the 
when you apply for a license in Wyoming, you're given the opportunity to donate, uh, whether it's $1, $10, $100, whatever you want to this program. And that money is then used to uh, essentially pay the landowner. Pay is maybe not the right word for it, but uh, the landowners get a bit of a stipend to let people access their property from the state or from these donations. So it's, it's really hunters funding this as well, which is really cool. Wow, man, that is something that's, that's pretty cool. And something I'm, I'm going to definitely be looking into because I got some points, some preference points built up for Wyoming. And, uh, it's definitely something I'm going to be, uh, looking into now that you've brought that up. But if you, if you guys are interested in, reading Dan's writings, uh, especially this Access Yes program, go to sportsmansnation.com hashtag or slash blog. And there you'll find, uh, so far, Dan is the only uh, provider of content. So it's uh, your writings aren't hard to find, but uh, we have the hashtag hunt the nation uh, profiles and we have this uh, Access Yes program article as well. And I think it if I'm not mistaken, you're going to, you're, you're going to continue to put out written articles on almost a weekly basis, right? Yeah, that's the goal. Whether it's, um, talking to other hunters as part of the, uh, hunt the nation hashtag series, uh, which I'm really excited about as well as, you know, writing articles on just topical information yeah. for, uh, I'm hoping I'm, I'm kind of a scatterbrained dude. So I like to look at everything. It's going to be, you know, Western hunting, uh, Eastern whitetail hunting, maybe some fishing if that's cool, you know, just oh, yeah. anything that kind of sparks my interest and I hope would be uh, interesting for, uh, for, you know, fans of the nation. That's right, man. All right. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about backcountry hunters and anglers. Um, and you recently went out to Idaho to their rendezvous. And I want to talk about that uh, today as well. But first, I want to talk about what your involvement is with that organization and what, you know, for the people who don't know, what is Backcountry Hunters and Anglers? All right. So I'm, a, I guess, first and foremost, kind of in this conversation, I'm coming at it definitely from a member standpoint, right? Like I don't speak officially for them in any way. I'm just an engaged member who likes to, uh, who likes this organization quite a bit, uh, I am part of the Minnesota chapter. I'm a board member for the state. Uh, our chapter is about 700 people, which is about double what it was when I joined two years ago. Uh, BHA as a whole, our uh, backcountry hunters and anglers, we'll say BHA, uh, you know, it's an organization that advocates for public land access. It's not a species-specific organization like, say, Rocky Mountain Up Foundation or Wild Turkey Federation. It looks at landscapes and the importance of keeping these landscapes uh, public, you know, publicly held and open to the public. Um, it began, I believe, in 2004 around a campfire in Oregon. Uh, I think five years ago there was somewhere around 2,000 members, and now we're up to 20,000 members. Wow! Uh, which is it's just essentially a doubling of membership every year, year after year. It's been uh, really exciting to be part of and really exciting to watch. Yeah. I really, uh, I think we're, I really like what oh, orga these organizations are doing, um, like fighting for the right to use the public land. Um, because I, I've had this conversation with you over the phone, but, um, I, I've known about it, but I didn't really, uh, 
do any research on it until recently about all this, uh, especially in Wyoming, all this landlocked private ground that's owned by the BLM or Forestry Service or whatever that is un, you know, no one can access it because it's surrounded by private ground. So it's basically like the landowners are holding it hostage so no one can use it. And um, from my understanding, BHA is like really an advocate to work on how to get people to access those, that land. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it, it, that topic specifically, like when you go up to Wyoming and, and love these, some of these easier to draw uh, tag units, whether it's intentional or not, a lot of the, a lot of state land, especially and, and BLM sections are, are locked up. Like you say, with surrounded by private land, there's no access. Um, that is pretty common uh, to an extreme example. If you look at the Durfee Hills in Montana, yep. uh, that is, you know, essentially some, some uh, Texas billionaire oil men intentionally buying land around some of the best elk hunting country in the country with the purpose of locking people out. That's, you know, yeah. I think a lot of the times these things are kind of by chance. It's just how it worked out. In this case, in Montana, with the Durfee Hills, it's a intentional plan to, to essentially take public land from public landowners, from all of us, and keep it for themselves and for, I'm assuming, their, their customers that they, they, you know, that pay to hunt on their property. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like that because this dude bought all this ground, he not only bought the ground, but he has sole access to that, that range or whatever it is that uh, is blocked off. Yeah, literally the only way you can get onto that uh, property right now, and it is some of the best elk hunting out there, is to rent a helicopter and fly in. Um, you know, much the consternation of the landowners, it's completely legal because it it really is your property and, and my property and everyone's everyone's property. Um, I know Randy Newberg on his show, I yep. think, did I've that exact that thing. Rent, yeah. Um, so that's kind of an extreme example, um, but other other cases, it's just. Uh, you know, trying to make sure that that all this land that's held in the public trust and managed by the federal government, whether it's uh, BLM, Forest Service, that it stays uh, ours because, you know, it, it is ours right now and we would like to keep it that way. So Right, right. So as a board member of the, the Minnesota chapter, what uh, what are your responsibilities? Uh, well, myself and, and fellow board members, uh, you know, everyone, everyone is family men and women and, and have jobs and careers. So it's not something we can do full time, but we all put our energy into it. Uh, the main focus right now is to really engage the rest of our members around the state, as well as, you know, hopefully bring a new member, new membership. Um, one of the big things, uh, BHA as a whole has done is they're called pint nights. So we'll, you know, put a, put the word out that we're having a pint night at a local, uh, like brewery and people show up exchange stories, drink some beers, maybe raffle off some prizes, raffle off some equipment, hunting equipment, um, and just kind of share each other's experience on public lands. Uh, that's a good driver of recruitment for new members. Right. Uh, most recently, uh, board, uh, Minnesota board member, uh, specifically his name is Eric Jensen. We or he organized, um, a public lands, day at the state capitol in St. Paul, where we had a couple hundred, you know, 
blaze orange wearing uh, deer and pheasant duck hunters show up at the state capitol grounds, have a rally for uh, public lands, specifically the importance of public lands for hunting, and uh, try to kind of beat the drums a bit and keep the word out. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, so if somebody, you know, wants to join uh, this organization or find out more, where should we send them? Uh, we'll definitely go to the website. Um, I, man, I don't, I should probably know it off the top of my head, but I think it's just, if you just Google backcountry hunters and anglers, you'll get there. Uh, and then there's, uh, also local state chapters. I believe there's 40, we have 41 chapters across 39 states as well as two Canadian provinces. So, uh, there's contacts there to not only join, like everyone, you know, it's, it's awesome when people just say, Hey, I want to join this. I'll pay my $25 a year. And that's that's it and that's great but if you wanted to get engaged definitely contact your local bha chapter and um really this whole thing is driven by volunteers it's driven by people saying hey um i'm up in brainerd minnesota i want to have a pint night uh how do i do it and it it's done by the volunteers by the membership so it's it's a really cool way to engage absolutely man that's awesome all right so recently the backcountry hunters and anglers had a rendezvous out. Where was it at? Boise, Idaho. Yep. Boise this year. Boise, Idaho. Why don't you tell us a little bit, share with, share with us a little bit about what that rendezvous was all about. What were some of the topics covered? Um, Why was it so important to uh, the BHA? Oh, sure. So this is my second rendezvous last year was uh, my first one in Missoula that I went to. And when I went there, I just, when I left, I just left feeling super energized uh, and thought, well, I got to come back again this year. So this year uh, it was in Boise, uh, about, I think 1500 to 2000 people showed up for the main core weekend. It's a three, four day event um, where BHA members can come and, and, you know, meet with the national board and discuss topics as well as attend uh, you know, conferences and kind of speaking lectures from really some of the biggest names in the industry. And then in the evening, there's usually something cool going on, like a uh, uh, this, I think it was called Pub, uh, Beers, Bands, and Public Lands, which was a, a giant beer fest right in downtown Boise, uh, where I think somewhere like 5,000 people showed up. And then there's uh, storytelling events uh, over the weekend by folks like uh steven ranella uh had, had told a, a great story kind of capstone of the storytelling event uh, remy warren was there uh, randy newberg uh, was there as well um and it's just a really cool ch- chance for people to hang out and talk about these issues um man i could go over the whole schedule with him but it is just it was just so packed it's hard to even uh it's hard to choose right what you want to go see but um, there's vendors from across the sporting or hunting um, landscape. Uh, Kimber is a big presence there. First Light. Uh, man, just there's just so much, so many businesses step up and kind of say, hey, you know, we're here to support you guys and uh, kind of join us in that mission. Right. Um, this year, really, the, the big thing, and it was really impactful, was uh, – Man, I'm probably going to destroy this name, but Yvonne Chouinard, who is the, the founder of Patagonia, 
Yeah, I heard that. Uh, showed up. And, and I mean, to some people that might seem a bit contentious, but uh, as part of that storytelling event, which kind of capped off the, the weekend, he, he told this great story about, you know, fishing and hunting around the world and, and raising his kids to, you know, to eat wild game and to kill efficiently and to respect life. So he had all these cool stories, but it really was a, a rallying call to not only hunters and anglers, but all outdoor users saying, Hey, it's time for us to put our little differences aside and join together to, you know, to keep public, public lands open to all of us. So it was, it was a really powerful, powerful story and powerful, uh, uh, speaking, speaking engagement. Right. So I take it, you know, when I think of if you, Patagonia or, or he's from Patagonia, right? Or he's the, yeah, he, he founded Patagonia, yeah, Pat, founded Patagonia. You know, when I think Patagonia, I don't necessarily think hunting or fishing. So, you know, the, and then you have the, the, the name of the organization, backcountry hunters and anglers. However, that this organization sounds like it's more than just for hunters and anglers. It's for all people who support and actually use public lands. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, whether you're out mountain biking, hiking, camping, fishing, you know, uh, picking huckleberries, you know, any kind of user, right. it's, it's really something that, that hopefully we'd like to reach out to everybody to get behind. Um, and it's not just about feel good stuff, right? It's not just about coming together and hugging and, and, and saying how much we love public land. It, this is a major economic driver. Yeah. Using public lands, outdoor industry is, is a huge economic driver. And um, it's the art that using that argument is going to be the one that wins it for us. It's right. just how much money everyone pumps into this, into the rec- into outdoor recreation and hunting. And that is done through public land access. Right, right. I read a article man and i i wish i could notate it better but this was several years ago uh, i want to say two maybe three years ago where um the the state sold off some public ground uh, and i'm not i want to say utah maybe might this might have taken place mm-hmm. in utah but i'm not 100 percent sure but surrounding in this area where all this public land was there was um small towns, a couple small towns, and the main, I guess, the main income was, I guess, some kind of tourism, eco-tourism, where, like, they had people who would rent horses out, or they would take people up in the mountains and do some, like, backpacking adventures or, or rafting adventures, and then when that land sold, these communities just all but dried up and disappeared because there was no income anymore, because, I guess, maybe it was gas and oil moved in, and took away all this i wish i had more information on that on that but um like you it just reminded me like because you said that this economic driver right um that public land isn't just this land that sits there empty it actually is used by people who spend money and stimulate economies oh for sure and it's, i think only now is that being really realized by a lot of people even people within the industry i mean um it's easy to be like, oh yeah, oil and gas is going to come in and it's going to make all these jobs. It, it yeah, it will make some jobs. Uh, Minnesota is going through this argument right now with the proposal to put a um, 
a mine right at the footsteps of the boundary waters. Uh, a mine that if something happened, which something usually does, could damage the you know wilderness of the boundary waters forever. Um, the fact of the matter is, is, in that part of the country, even now or, or state, we're realizing that outdoor rec is a lot of ways even more beneficial for generating income than than mining. Uh, in right. fact, I think there was a, a U.S. Department of Commerce report released last year that found that it's something like $380 billion that gets added to the nation's you know economy through outdoor recreation, which is like 2% of the GDP and more than mining and oil industries contribute. Wow, that's crazy. But an awesome number, if you know, definitely if yeah. you're a supporter of public lands. Yeah, and, and if you look at hunters as a kind of role model for for pumping the economy to improve it for everyone, you just got to look at like the Pittman Robertson Act, right? We, as hunters, every you know, eleven percent of every dollar we spend on rifles and archery equipment and ammunition goes to preserving goes to conservation. Yeah. Now imagine what the benefit would be if the rest of the outdoor industry stepped up, which is something, you know, Yvonne talked about. What if the rest of the outdoor industry stepped up and be like, Hey, we want to contribute just 1%. Yeah. I mean, 1% of all the mountain bikes and tents and, uh, you know, everything else that people buy to, you know, enjoy themselves on, on public land. If that was put back into conservation, I mean, it, it would be the greatest conservation success story maybe ever. Yeah. And that would be awesome because, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure you find out uh, from being on the board and from, you know, having insight into this organization that, you know, at the end of the day, money, money talks, right? Yeah, for sure. So, what you know? What else kind of went down at this rendezvous other than what you've already talked about? I mean, is this is this a a time where the the organization comes together and really, you know, puts the rubber to the road, so to speak, and gets a lot accomplished as far as, um, you know, setting a schedule or getting things done. I mean, it's more. It sounds to me like it's more than just hey, let's sit here and talk about public lands. Oh yeah, there's definitely a business to be had. I mean, uh, essentially day by day. So like Thursday night is when it really kicks off. Um, there are, uh, this year at least, kind of all the state chapter leaders uh, met together and hung out and talked. Uh, there was a, a what's called the Field the Table Dinner, which is a, a great fundraising event where people pay um, to uh, have really well-made wild game dishes served to them by some of you know the best chefs in wild game but then starting friday it's you know boy what was it there was conferences all day friday and saturday whether it's uh for instance like ryan callahan from first light and um jr young did have done a great um little class on how to use a whole animal right there's all kinds of stuff like that. There's also um, a chance for the, the rank and file, I guess, ch state members to engage with the national board and ask, you know, what are our goals going forward? What are we doing about this? What's our opinion on this? And, and it gives them a chance to really 
help guide the future of BHA. Uh, it's also a hell of a networking opportunity for not only individuals, but businesses in the industry. Like First Light is a huge partner of BHA. Uh, Ryan Callahan is a board member, a national board member, I believe. Um, so there's, there's a lot, there's some business, uh, that kind of sets the scope for the upcoming year, but, but also just a lot of engagement for people to learn new things and meet new people. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's so much to take in, in three days. It's, it just, it's hard to even talk about sometimes. Cause you're like, did I see that? Didn't I do that? There's just yeah. so much stuff going on. Uh, it, it's an absolute blast. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about now the, you know, what BHA is, this rendezvous a little bit. What what are some of the, I don't know, talking points that came out of this rendezvous? Because, you know, you had to mention, you kind of mentioned that everybody gets together and talks about the future. What is, in, like, I know, and I know you don't, you're not the official voice of the organization, but right. what... what what was taken away from this rendezvous and what is the, the goal moving forward for BHA? Well, you know, just uh, sitting there and listening to the, the board members, uh, the national board, as well as the head of BHA, uh, Lantani, take questions and answers from, from BHA members. Uh, a couple of things were apparent. One, the, the, the membership is exploding in terms of numbers every year, right? It's doubled every year. So right now we're as, um, how do you put it? Uh, one of the board members said right now we're just kind of controlling awesome, right? Cause there's so much, people are just so energized and we're getting new board, new members and everyone is just, is just getting at it and fighting at it. Uh, a big point of contention or a big talking point over the course of the weekend was something we already touched on, which is, I guess what's kind of called the backpack tax, which is the opportunity for, businesses outside of uh, hunting or outside of the Pittman Robertson act to, to step up, hopefully from within, you know, voluntarily say, Hey, we recognize that our businesses are built off of public land use and, and, and healthy landscapes. So we want to contribute. That was a, a big talking point. And I think something that it's going to happen eventually, it, you know, it's, it might be a fight to get there, but I think it will. Uh, Yvonne, Yvonne, go back to the, Patagonia guy, he kind of put it right. He said, you know, they say that hunters and tree huggers can't get together. That's bullshit. Uh, sorry if I'm swearing this out loud here, but I, I wanted, I didn't want to misquote him. So uh, he was, it was, it was really cool. Um, it was a real call to arms this weekend. This year was seemed to be a real call to arms of reaching out beyond just hunting and fishing and trying to rally everyone who, who uses the outdoors. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so, you know, with, with all that said, um, why now, like you have an open mic to the listeners, why now should somebody really be interested or, you know, why should they go and sign up to become a member or find a board, do research, whatever? Why should people join the BHA? Well, that's a, that's a super loaded question for me to answer. Um, man, I, I think everybody, if, if you look at the scope of history of, of hunting, right. Uh, most of the wild game was wiped out back in the 
back by the early 1900s. So it was almost gone. And hunters came together in the 19, starting in really the early 30s and pushed for what became Pittman-Robertson, which is funding of uh, conservation through firearm sales, primarily firearm and ammunition sales. Now, you know, almost 100 years later, we're facing a similar threat. Uh, it's we have we've done a hell of a good job restoring wildlife populations and balancing those populations within an expanding you know uh, human population landscape. Where the fight is now is 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 for lands, is for access, and uh, you know if like I said if you're someone who hunts or fishes or picks huckleberries or you know just rides four wheelers does you know hikes camps does whatever you know that land is 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 finite it can be there's only so much of it being made right so we need to preserve what's ours and it's once you look into it it's very apparent that the organization itself is contrary to what some people might read online it's a very bipartisan it's like you got you know people wearing make america great again hats standing next to you know, dudes covered in Patagonia, Patagonia gear. So yeah. it's, it's a, it's a cause that everyone can get behind. Right. Cool, man. Cool. So if you, if you are interested, what, what's the next step? You say, I want to be a member today. What should, what should, what should I do? Uh, go to the website and sign up, man. It's just like, I think it's $25 a year for membership. Uh, check out your local chapter, uh, if, if, if you have a state chapter, give them a call. If you don't have a state chapter, BHA is growing. So um, we've had a, a bunch of new chapters start this last couple of years. Uh, I think North Dakota just got North Dakota, Missouri. I think both launched chapters this year at their rendezvous. So uh, it's just a great opportunity to, to, to talk to people who are the same interest you are to get behind a cause and to get some boots on the ground work done i mean it's not all about simply lobbying in kind of you know the political arena a lot of it's also going out as part of projects and removing a few miles of old barbed wire fence that doesn't need to be there anymore yeah um you know doing stream restoration projects stuff like that so it's it's a cool it's a cool experience cool well mr dan Bourne, are you going to be taking advantage of any public lands this upcoming fall yeah, yeah. Not, I'm not waiting to fall. I'm, I'm heading out uh, in a few weeks to Nebraska for some public land turkey hunting. Nice. Uh, towards the end of towards the end of May, my turkey season in Minnesota hasn't gone that well, so I want to try to redeem myself in Nebraska. Um, and then I'll either be returning to Nebraska in fall for a uh, archery uh, deer hunt. Uh, that I'm kind of going out there to turkey hunt is kind of a way to help do a little pre-scouting for the fall. Uh, otherwise, uh, I'm always looking at Wyoming for antelope. I mean, I just love going to Wyoming and, and hunting antelope out there. It's just so different from, you know, hunting whitetail in the woods of Minnesota to, to going and hunting across the open plains of Wyoming is, is just a cool contrast. Awesome. Well, hey, Dan, I really appreciate you taking time to hop on the uh, podcast. And for everybody who's currently listening, man, go to the blog, um, check out Dan's writings. It's some really good stuff, and uh, I'm excited uh, for more to come, man. 
Yeah, you, please, everybody, use that hashtag, uh, hashtag Hunt the Nation. It'll make it a lot easier for me to find you rather than me just blindly stumbling my way through Instagram looking for people. So I'd love to hear your story. Use the, use the hashtag. And that's Monday's podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for tuning in. Huge shout out to Dan for not only deciding to write for the Sportsman's Nation and uh, doing Hunt the Nation profiles. Uh, Remember to use the hashtag Hunt the Nation if you want to be featured. Also, his writing, uh, his writings that he's going to be doing. Huge shout out to Dan for coming on the podcast and being a contributor to the Sportsman's Nation. Also, Huge shout out to each and every one of you for taking time to download and listen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast. Ripcord, Exodus, Deer Lab, Lone Wolf, Ozonix, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Ripcord, Exodus, da, 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 da. I've said them all. Please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast, which means that I just continue to put out kick-ass content for you guys. Not only from an entertainment but from an educational standpoint as well so thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you if you haven't already please go leave a review on itunes or wherever you download your podcasts what else what else what else social media check out sportsman's nation and nine finger chronicles not only on instagram but as facebook as well and share like click blah 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 share this with all your friends um because man the goal now i'm not sure what i'm gonna do but i think the next step is going to be fishing or waterfowl or i might throw my hat back into the video realm it's been a while since i've done that um not sure how i want to do it but i want to do it i don't know if i'm going to film my hunts or i'm just going to film a lot of the prep work that leads up to the hunts but you know who knows it's digital media and you can kind of do whatever you want whatever you want that's enough of me talking because this show is over so if you're going to be in a tree please for the love of god wear your damn safety harness happy monday Thank you.